Thank you, Daniel. It certainly is. It is well with our soul, for sure, with that. Do you know Forbes magazine, back in July, ranked the most valuable sports franchisees, the different sports teams, and, and not, just, not just here in America, but all the world, including like English soccer, including um, uh, there in um, like Barcelona soccer teams, the most valuable soccer team, or not sports team, is actually the Dallas Cowboys. They are worth $4.5 billion. $4.5 billion. And what's amazing about the Dallas Cowboys, they have not won a Super Bowl since the 1995 season. That's 25 years ago. Yet because they have such a nice stadium, they all, their games always sell out. They have luxury suites that are always, always for sale there. Not only that, their um, apparel, their merchandise. The Cowboys just sell stuff. Every now and then I see some of y'all wearing Dallas Cowboys stuff. And they, they, um, a lot of times they don't play on Sunday. They play tomorrow night on Monday night football. They get the primetime slots, the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is their owner, very very popular man, always in the media. And you, you think about the Cowboys, and that's of all the sports teams, they're the most valuable of all. But what's interesting is they don't win. They haven't even been in the Super Bowl in 25 years. In that same period, in that same 25-year period, since 95, the New England Patriots have been in the Super Bowl 10 times and have won it six of those 10. And the Cowboys have been there zero in 25 years. So you wonder, why would a team such as the Cowboys be so much more valuable? Why are they worth so much more than any of the other sports teams of all the different sports? And that's because of a, a variety of different reasons, mainly TV and selling uh, seats and selling apparel. They sell stuff. And a lot of times... We take that Forbes magazine approach towards church. You look at the back of the bulletin. You look at attendance. You look at the numbers. You evaluate and you put an amount, you put some form of number attached to a church or to a worship service or to a group that sings. And the problem with that is we can find ourselves just going through church, going through religious services, going through life with, these, with this mindset of constant evaluation. You could have a church that no one's gotten saved in 25 years, and if you took the Forbes magazine approach, it could actually be the number one church in America. And they haven't even been in the Super Bowl in 25 years. I haven't even saved in 25 years, just like the Cowboys. Now I share this because we are in a sermon series on renewal. It's about being renewed. And today we're going to look at it. You go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8, an Old Testament book. We are going to see what an worship service that's honorable and pleasing to God 
looks like. As crazy as this is, our children's drama team, if you compare what they just did to the way we worship, that there was actually a biblical worship experience. They stood on the platform. They held up their Bible. The people lifted their hands and they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord. This in the Old Testament was biblical worship. Ezra, we're about to see, he's holding the Bible up high. The Levites, that's the deacons basically, they're standing here along the side and they're holding their hands up high. Do you know what the people did? They held their hands up high. Which it's a sign of respect to the Lord. God, we're yours. We're here to honor you. We give you all the worship. You get all the glory. So we're going to read this. Turn your Bible. Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to read 12 verses here. Would you follow along your Bible? I believe I'll even stand on a little platform as I read this here. Nehemiah chapter 8. When the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. They asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses. Do you know what the book of the law of Moses is? It's the first five books of the Bible. The people asked Ezra. Ezra's the priest, the scribe. They said, bring us the Bible. We're, right, we're here in Jerusalem. We're having a worship service. We're retur- they've returned. Remember, what's the book of Nehemiah about? book of Nehemiah, the, they're rebuilding the walls. They're putting back their city. They're coming out of exile. And they realize, we've got to have a temple. We need a place of worship. We need to experience the power of God and come into the presence of God. So the people are asking Ezra, hey, bring us the book of the law. And it says here, on the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. Those who could listen with understanding meant what we would call today is the age of accountability. So if a child, probably many of these children here, if they could understand the word of the law, if they could understand their Bible, they weren't, they weren't stuck in a children's church class. They came to church. They came into the presence of God. They came to worship the Lord of all ages. They could understand. So that meant there was a nursery for the little, little ones. But once you reached that age that you could understand the word of God, you were there with mom and dad and with grandparents worshiping. Verse 3. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it. Look at this. From daybreak until noon. That's where we get the idea church stops at noon. Before men, women, and all those who could understand, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Guys, the people weren't playing on their phones. They listened to this man. They were like, I want to hear. I want to lean in. You want to know how I know if you're listening? You lean in. You make eye contact. You're leaning forward. What does he have to say? There's an anticipation that God has a message for you. Keep going here in your Bible. 
The scribe Ezra stood on a high wooden platform, just like me. I'm on my high wooden platform, made for this purpose. So let's only have this. And that, here we go. Here's some tough names. These are the Levites. These were what the children were right here. Matthiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah stood beside him on the right. So we had six over here. And on his left were Fideah, Michelle, Malachijah, Hashem, Hash, Benaiah, Zechariah, and Meshem. So these seven Levites here. <clears throat> David Humlong, these were your deacons. Deacons didn't sit in the pews. The deacons were standing. Can you go to church? The deacons stood next to the preacher. Literally. It's a, it's a, it was a sign of affirmation. You're affirming the word of the Lord. You're saying there, because you're setting an example, I'm here to, here to listen to what God has to say. It's, it's a sign of reverence and respect and expectation that the Lord is going to move. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 8. Ezra opened the book in full view of all his people. They used the book. They unrolled the scroll. Everyone saw it. It was no mystery. The Word of God was right there. It's not hidden. They opened the book in full of all view of the people since he was elevated above everyone else. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. That's why we say Amen. Amen means I agree. I agree what God has to say. You're agreeing. When we come to worship, who's our audience? Look what they're They're not blessing each other. They're not bragging and talking about football. Guys, they're blessing the Lord. God is my audience of one i'm not here to please other folks i've come into the presence of god he is why i'm here on october 18th and they understood this and it goes on to say latter part verse six then they knelt low and worshiped the lord with their faces to the ground just like the children bowed down they bowed down to the lord they worshipped the Lord. They paid homage and respect. They got on their knees. When's the last time you were on your knees before the Lord? I mean, really, think about that. Whether publicly in a worship service or even at home, they are on their knees, kneeling, bowing down to God. Joshua, Bani, uh, Sarabai, Jamin, Aku, Shabbatai, Hadai, Messiah, Kaliah, Az Azariah, Jezebed, Hanan, and Peleah, who were Levites, those were the temple assistants, all those folks. Look at what they did. They explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. This is what we call explanation. This is the exposition. They're going around the Levites. These are your Sunday school teachers. They're going among the people. Remember back in Bible times, a lot of the folks did not own Bibles because Bibles were on scrolls. So what happened is your 
temple assistants, your Levites, they would go among the people and they're explaining the word of the Lord. They're saying, this is what this means. Here is why we do this. This is why it's so important for you to not just read the Bible on your own. Do you know why you come to Sunday school and you come to church? Obviously, you come to church. You need to have a Sunday school teacher. You need to have a pastor, a preacher, a priest in the Bible. Explain. I am explaining to you what this says. You come to church to explain. Here's why we do this. Church is not entertainment. I want you to know, young person grows up in church, goes off into the so-called real world, wherever I've yet to find the real world, wherever the real world is, and then they are going to encounter a culture that's radically different when that, that they learn. We have a wonderful church, Bible-believing church here. But you go out the, the, wherever the real world is, and it's going to teach something different. And if you have not had a pastor... If you have not had Sunday school teachers, if you have not had men and women explain the scriptures of you, you will be fooled. You will be misled. That's how the devil deceives us. So I love that verse, how they're going about, the folks are going about explaining the word of God. Keep going here. It goes on to say, verse 8. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating, giving the meaning so the people could understand what was read. That's the explanation. Nehemiah the governor. So Ezra's the priest. Nehemiah's the governor. He's the political leader. Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said it all day. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Church wasn't a place to be sad. You come to church, you're glad. For all the people were weeping as they heard the word of the law. They, were, they weren't weeping in sadness. They, 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 the excitement, the emotional response to God. They were weeping before Him. And it, He said in verse 10, Then He said to them, Go and eat what is rich, and drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing, who have prepared nothing. Since today is holy to our Lord, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't miss that phrase. Do not grieve, Broadway Baptist. Why? Because the joy of the Lord, God's joy, what He has put in your heart is your strength. That's what gets us through our day, our week, our month, this year, we have joy because when you die, you will not find yourself separated from the Lord. You will be in the presence of God. If your spouse is already in heaven, you will be reunited with him or her. If your children or your grandparents or your mom or dad are in heaven, if they're saved, you will see them again. Heaven is a reunion of the believers that had Jesus as their Savior. As Esther here was playing Ezra up here, she read John 3.16. Jesus gives us eternal life. The only way 
And that is our joy today. Then, verse 11, it says, And the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy. Don't grieve. Then all the people began to eat and drink. I guess this was at 12 o'clock, what time it ended. Send portions and have a great celebration because they had understood the words that were explained to them. That church service was not boring. Have you ever been to a boring church service? That was not a funeral service. It said there was a celebration and there was excitement. The people were thrilled and fired up because they heard the word of God. And it was explained to them. And they responded with joy. And Ezra and the Levites are saying, don't grieve. Don't walk out of here sad. You need to be glad. We see here in Nehemiah chapter 8 how God's Word and the focus, it was a God-centered worship service. So you want to say, you want to experience renewal in a church? Renewal in a church comes from having God's Word change your life. Could you imagine going to church and no one's reading the Bible? No one's explaining the Scriptures to you? They're talking about everything else. Here's my first Bible I ever owned. I received this. It says here, it's Shades Mountain Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama on October 13, 1985. That was 35 years ago. That was almost as long as Kentucky has beat uh, one at, at Knoxville in Tennessee. That was 36 years ago. That's how old. I, got, I received this in first grade at my church. At the church I grew up in, when you were a first grader, apparently in October, you would go up on the stage and the pastor would hand you a Bible and shake your hands back when we used to be able to touch people. And that you would, you would, he would hand you this Bible and that was your Bible. This Bible is falling apart, literally. I mean, it's, I mean literally, it's, 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 I, I, it's, the spine has come off. thought about having it redone. This Bible, I don't read from this regularly because it's, it's, not, um, it's not in the best of condition. It would just collapse on us. This Bible, it changed my life. And I believe where I'm at today, because I was part of a church. I had a pastor. When we got in first grade is when we actually started, children's church was done in first grade. You had to go to church. First graders, because they could read. You learned to read in first grade, so you had to go to big church then. I believe where I'm at today is because I had a church that invested in me as a young person. A biblical church gives its children, gives its teenagers, it gives God's Word. And I want you to know, your Bible, Martin Luther, the great reformer from 500 years ago, said, your Bible's either going to fall apart or you're going to fall apart. Meaning, you're going to fall apart if you don't read the Bible. Or you're going to own a Bible such as this. It may be your Bible this morning. Pages are coming out. You have to get a new one every couple, three years because it's falling apart. Well, either way, you have to pick. Do I want 
my Bible to fall apart or do I want my life to fall apart? Biblical worship is based on the Word of God. This church, Broadway Baptist, is a Bible-centered church. I believe it's the greatest church here in Lexington. We have a message that changes lives. We have, a, we have a ministerial team. We have programs. We have people who are praying. We have people who are, back when we used to be able to visit, visit folks that are doing ministry based on the Word of God. You know, when Brother Hurd and I, we had a funeral this past week down in um, Stanford, Kentucky. We officiated it together. We go out down to Stanford, down in Lincoln County. It was Roy Silleret's funeral. Wonderful family. Ruth's just a sweetheart. Lost her husband of 59 years this past week. When we're there, and all their family were standing around, and we had our mask on, and then we're standing before that coffin at the cemetery. The family doesn't want to hear about how much money Roy made, or all his great degrees, or all his accomplishments. Brother Herb, we know what they want to hear. When someone is looking back on their life, Ruth's asking for the Word of God. In fact, she brought Roy's Bible for us to read out of. Why? Because the Word of God doesn't fail. It's alive. So whether it's a worship service, whether it's a funeral service, whether you're dying in the hospital, the Word of God is what people want to hear. And we, as believers, need to commit ourselves, recommit ourselves to that. Guys, you will not know God if you are not coming and worshiping with Bible-centered worship. Do you know, Jesus, I have a picture here. We won't turn there, but I just want to tell you about it. Jesus had all his disciples gathered around this place called Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, he said, the guys, who, who do folks say that I am? And they mentioned the prophets, some say Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. But then he says, what about you? Who do you say they are? And Peter, who is the leader of the disciples, spoke up and he says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, from now on, or he's back, back to his name was Simon. Simon, son of Jonah, I'm going to rename you Peter. Peter means rock. And they were standing in front of this rock right here. Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus pointed at this rock, and he says, On this rock, I will build my church. The rock is not a building. The church of Jesus Christ 
is not sitting on top of that rock in northern Israel today. The rock is Christ. Our lives, the people, are built on Jesus. Jesus established people who were us, which is the church. Our lives, if you are saved this morning, if you have been born again, the Bible says you are part of the rock. The rock is Jesus. The rock is the church that is the body of believers who follow Him. Your life is based on what? Scripture reveals about Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important for you and I to read our New Testament. We're reading the words in red. We're reading what Jesus has to say for you and I. This is why when we come into our worship service, we're reading, Thus saith the Lord. You want a biblical church? You want a church that's going to change your life? Guys, it starts with the rock, which is Christ. If you know of someone that is not connected to a local church, that means they are not connected. They do not have a foundation that is based on Jesus Christ. If you have never received Jesus, never made Him your rock, you are spiritually lost. You're wandering around. And Christ is calling you this morning. He's saying, you need to come back to the rock. And Jesus told Peter, He said, Peter, in the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome my church. Listen, ch the church will never go out of business. Do y'all know that? How do you know that? It's not because the church has good business principles. In fact, probably the churches have the worst possible business principles. If you want to see poor management, a lot of times you just go to church. You can see a misrun organization. But the great news is about that, since Jesus is the foundation of the church, and he's the rock of the church. The greatest man ever to walk on earth. And he's promised us that it will never go out of business. That will never cease. And that Satan will never overcome the church. The church will always exist. Now, a local church might go out of business. But the church of Jesus Christ in this world, it won't just survive, guys. It's going to thrive. Broadway Baptist Church is going to thrive. Then the reason why is because we're based on this book right here. And we call people to respond. We call people to repent. We call people to believe. There's a generation out there, wherever out there is, that needs a church such as Broadway. This, God's calling you to this church to commit yourself to a local church that's built on a rock, that's built on Jesus. And you come every week. And I will invite you to come here. You raise your hands high and say, Lord, speak to me. I'm yours. I'm recommitting myself to the Word 
that is proclaimed on the wooden platforms in Nehemiah chapter 8. There's more people that need to hear from the platform. We are blessed to be a part of church such as Broadway. We're honored to be able to come and hear the music, have the ministries, do the missions that we do here at our church to reach Lexington, our city, which is so desperate for the Lord with the gospel. I'm going to have a time of response. I want you to respond to the gospel. Do you know the people in Nehemiah 8, do you know what they did? They wept. They wept. Meaning, they didn't just say, well, that was, that was a great service, and then went out to eat. No. They were broken. God's Word. Remember, you're either going to break your Bible, wear it out, or your life's going to be broken. I want the Bible to be worn out, and I want to be broken over the Word of God. Do you have a Bible that's worn out such as this? You want to commit to a local church? You commit to a daily saying, God, I want to serve in my church and I want the Word of God to speak to me. So I want to tell you, throughout this week, have you been praying for your pastor? Praying for this service? Praying for a voice of praise? Praying for children's sermon? Praying for someone to get saved? Praying for the visitors that are going to come visit? Praying for the person that God will put in your path on Tuesday that you can invite to church on Sunday. You start doing that, I promise you, you will, that's a prayer the Lord will answer. You'll come to church with a sense of expectation. God is going to move. Something's going to happen. The Word of God is going to change someone's life. You need to respond to the gospel. You need to respond to what the Lord has called. We do this here at Broadway with an invitation. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. In this time, we'll sing our invitational song. You make a decision to follow Jesus. You make a decision to make this your church home. You make a decision to say, Lord, I'm recommitting myself to a local church. We are not to be orphan Christians. Online, folks, we're not to be orphan Christians. Jesus established the rock, which is the foundation built on the Bible, built on Him, Jesus' foundation, this church. And we're not to be disconnected from it. I want to tell you, if there's something not right with the church, that means you need to help improve it. It's easy to complain about church. It's easy to go about saying, well, someone else will do it. No, God wants you to do it. God wants you to solve that problem. God wants you to be the solution. God wants you to serve. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, our hands. I'm going to invite everyone. Lift, lift your hands up high. Everyone here. Put your hands up in there. This is how people responded to God. Lord, our hands are lifted high. We give you this service. Lord, Nehemiah. Ezra says they blessed you. Lord, we bless you. We bless you this morning. You are a great God. Lord, thank you for bringing us to your house. Thank you for being 
our rock and our foundation here at Broadway. Thank you for helping us come here so we can praise your name up high. Lord, we lift our hands high because you told us to. In Nehemiah 8, we respond to you. God, I pray if there's anybody here that needs to get saved, that needs to make this their church home, or they just need from their pew to recommit themselves. They have fallen away. They've slipped out the back door. They're backslidden. Lord, we recommit our lives to you this morning. Your church, you're the rock. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for letting us come and raise our hands up to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You put your hands down. I'm going to invite you to stand up at this point. God's calling you home. I'll be standing up here with Brother Herb. You come and respond to the gospel. You can come and make your decision public. Brother Herb, I invite you to come forward. We'll be standing up front waiting for you to respond. Yes, sir.